we'll be praying with Pauline and others again. It's just so exciting to hear that testimony, what God's done there. And there are a number of lessons there for us. One is that we need to persevere and press in to all that God has got for us. The second is, is this, and I was just thinking, as, uh, is there something wrong with this sound? Or is it just because we've got a speaker down or it's just me? <laughs> Possibly. But as a church, we take a particular stand on the things of the Spirit. If you are hostile to the things of the Spirit, we are not the community for you. But if you are open, even though you have not yet experienced some of these things of which we speak, we are the community for you. Because we want to bring everyone into that place of freedom that Pauline was sharing there. Because ultimately, this is what it's about. It's that inner freedom God gives us. So Pauline has said she's praying in a whole new way. She's experiencing God in a different way. And one of the things about it, when we come to be baptized and filled with the Spirit and released in tongues, it does give us that added dimension in prayer, which is a freedom to express our innermost self in a way we could not experience before. And we want to bring every person into that experience because it frees us up to enjoy the life that God has got for us. And we also believe that it's very much found in the Scriptures. This is what the community of Jesus ought to be like. So this morning we had Isla brought that uh, gift of tongues, and that is a gift, a ministry gift, if you like, where when a public tongue is brought, it is brought, brought for the blessing of the body and needs to be interpreted. And then Becca came with that interpretation. So, hands up if you knew what Isla was saying. Nobody. You did. You had, a, you had the same interpretation. Because God can give it to different people. But the vast majority of us were sitting there saying, I have no idea what that was. But when the interpretation is broad, it means that we can say that amen to it, we can join together. And that is God's intention. But the gift that Pauline was talking of is that personal gift of tongues where I use it for my inner prayer life. It's my spirit speaking to God's spirit. And we are freed up in an incredible way to enjoy God in a new way. These are foundational gifts for us as this community of Emmanuel. Now, this morning, we are in our series, Prepare the Way. Do we have the, the uh, slide there, Jonathan? Prepare the Way. We'll have the slide. Prepare the Way. Talk among yourselves. It's there, honestly, it's there. We've had it once this morning already. It says, prepare the way, John 1 to 5. Well, that's ruined that then. So, that's, I'll tell you what then. We'll not do John 1 to 5. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 10 <laughs> and 11. Because it speaks of preparing the way. This series came out of a prophetic word given one Saturday morning at our monthly prayer meeting. And it was very much to do with just as John the Baptist prepared the way for the Messiah, so God is calling us to prepare the way for revival. And that sparked a whole 
deal discussion as to the next series we should have here. And we were looking at John 1 to 5, which many of our faithful uh, brethren have done. But God was speaking at this point to me about Acts. And it's so important that we respond to what God is saying to us. This is important for us as a community, that we are open to whatever God wants to do. And when we read through Acts 10 and 11, there's an incredible story, the Spirit of God falling upon the Gentiles, Cornelius and his household. And when we look at this story towards the end of chapter 11, verse 15, it says, as I began to speak, and this is Peter who was explaining what happened because the apostles in Jerusalem had questions. They basically called Peter back to Jerusalem to explain what was going on with the Gentiles. They had no problem with the Spirit falling upon Jews, but with the Spirit falling upon Gentiles, that is a whole new experience. And what God is doing, He's expanding their thinking, so no longer are the people of God simply the Jewish community who become Christians, but it's going to be a worldwide community, and in order to be worldwide, it has to include the Gentiles. So in chapter 10, we have Cornelius, who has a uh, visitation, and we have Peter, who has a vision, and God's bringing all of this together to that point where the Spirit of God falls upon the Gentiles. So verse, uh, chapter 11 of Acts, verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, that is, the Gentiles came on them, as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now this is important because this is an important key to unlocking all that God has got for us for the future, which we believe is Revival, that sovereign work of God. But we have that role of cooperating with God in order to bring it about. And John prophesied the coming of the Messiah. And if you were to ask many, many people, they would all agree that John came to prepare the way for the Messiah. And that is certainly his calling, primary calling. But we also see that when we read through the the Gospels, and indeed all four Gospels include that saying that Peter referred to, Matthew, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark 1.8, I baptize with water, but he, the Messiah, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke and John, all of them have that verse contained there, proclaimed by John, referring to the coming of the Messiah. He, not that one, he will come. John proclaims the coming of the Messiah. You know, he says, behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. But what we fail to recognize very often, is that John also prophesied Pentecost. And we, 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 we miss that bit. Because when John is saying, he will, 
I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Spirit. He's moving beyond the crucifixion, beyond the resurrection, to the day of Pentecost. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's so easy for us to miss this. This is the prophetic declaration of John the Baptist, that it is coming a day when the Spirit of God is going to fall and fill each and every believer. You know, Jesus himself repeats this prophetic declaration given by John. In Acts 1, verses 4 to 6, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, which my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is doing, he's echoing that prophetic declaration of John, that John was going to baptize with water, but Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that prophecy is the beginning of the fulfillment, not the end of it, but the beginning of the fulfillment of that prophecy is on the day of Pentecost, and it passes very well known to you as they were gathered together, the Spirit of God comes and transforms the church from a few frightened believers to a worldwide powerful community of faith. This is what happens on the day of Pentecost. But the prophecy of John goes on and is repeated again in Acts, that passage we read, and there are so many lessons for us within that uh, section from uh, Acts 10 and 11. I just want to highlight one or two to do with the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts 10, to go back over, in Acts 10 we have Cornelius has a vision. He sees an angel of God and we can look at the whole story. And he is told to send men to Joppa, about 35 miles away, to bring Simon Peter to the house. Now, this is God at work. And one of the things we need to recognize is when we are praying into God for revival, He is at work in ways we never, ever even dream of. He's at work behind those prayers. He's at work behind all that we're seeking Him for. And all we are called to do is to do our part. Cornelius was simply called in that vision to send for a man called Peter. You know, that's what he's called to do. And very often we are called to take a step and we, we struggle because what we want to do, we want to see the end from the beginning. So we can pray for revival, but I want to know what revival looks like. Because then I want to be able to accept the bits I like and, dis- and leave the bits I don't like. We're, you know, we pick and choose, don't we? We love it when God acts in a way we like. And we struggle when God acts in a way we don't like. We don't mind God blessing someone we like. So we don't mind God blessing Pauline, because everybody loves Pauline. But what about those people we struggle with? Should God really bless them? But God is God. Well, that's a start, isn't it? Not a bad place to begin. So Cornelius is called upon to send for Peter from Joppa, and there we have in chapter uh, 11, uh, back, back, sorry, back part of uh, 10 and 11, we have Peter, who, completely unknown to Cornelius, 
is being spoken to by God and God is working a miracle in his heart so that when the request comes for Peter to go to the Gentiles, God's already sorted out his wrong attitudes. But neither of them knew what was going on. They're part of this incredible heavenly jigsaw which God is putting together and all we are called to do is be faithful to the peace God has given us. That's all we are called to do. And isn't that so easy to say, and yet it's a lifetime of challenge to do. God gives us a piece of the jigsaw in his community. He said, be faithful to that which I've given you. That's easy, that's it. That's your lifetime calling, your lifetime commission. Be faithful to the piece of the jigsaw God has given you. God is at work behind the scenes. He rarely gives us the full picture. He didn't tell Cornelius or Peter what was going on and he's under no obligation to tell them they simply have to be obedient. But you know, when we read some of these texts, we read them in terms of modern transport, don't we? You know, it's 35 miles between Cornelius and Peter. Half an hour down the road, isn't it? How about nearly two days' journey? And he says, the men came. They told Peter, and he says he got up and left. Oh, I think, yes. I think I would have probably struggled at that part. But Peter is obedient to the word of God, and as a result of his obedience, what is actually happening is revival is taking place in the Gentile community. He had no idea what was going to happen. He's simply been obedient with the piece of the jigsaw he was given. And so, in, when he's given his explanation in chapter 11 and verse 15 of Acts, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell. Now, there's an incredible lesson in this for us as we reach out to God, because we pray that God will come and do the unexpected, and when he does, we need to be at peace with the unexpected. He says, as I began to speak. Now, that could be a preacher's nightmare. You know, as you begin the sermon that you have prepared, God comes and does something that disturbs the sermon. What do you mean, amen? (laughs) The word should have been, surely not. But God does this. You know, and we can read these things and then what we need to do is translate it into our own context. How do we respond when God does something that is outside of the norm? The reality is we very often struggle. We very often struggle. You know, so we have had situations in the past here where we believe God has guided us in a particular way and, unlike this morning, there has been no sermon. Yep. Glory! <laughs> but the truth is, we've had people leave this church because on one Sunday, we didn't have a sermon. God sent revival. But do it in a way that doesn't disturb the sermon, doesn't take us after 12 o'clock, even worse doesn't interfere with the offering (laughs) 
or the coffee. <laughs> but it, it says, you know, while I was speaking, he didn't even get to finish the sermon and God came and did something fresh among the Gentiles. Folks, we, we need to challenge our own thinking. We need to challenge how we come programmed. Now, we do. You know, as, as elders, we will come here and we have an idea of where we expect the meeting to go. But I also want to assure you that if we believe God is guiding us in a particular, we will throw out that program. And we need to be at peace with that. Isn't that right? Good, I've got two people agree, that's marvellous. But we need to be at peace when that happens, because God is not tied to method. If we read this story of Cornelius and Peter, what it does, it tells us that God will not be tied down to method. Says, I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. When we read this, it tells us that God can change things around in order to fulfill his purposes. There is no ministry time in this story. It's just God breaks in and something incredible happens. And we love methods, we love programs because basically it makes life easier. But the reality is that when we are so tied up with method and programs, it leads us into legalism and legalism will stifle the work of the Spirit. Because we can have all of the outward show, but unless we have that life of the Spirit, then we are not going to be the community God has called us to be. So the Holy Spirit fell before the sermon had ended. I wonder how often you've heard a sermon and you think, I wish that would happen. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. <laughs> but, there's another, there's another lesson here. Peter is caught unawares. That's the reality. Peter is caught unawares. This is outside of his experience. And then in verse 16 of chapter 11, he says, But then I remembered. And this is a key for us, as it was for Peter. Because what Peter is struggling with is what is going on here? How do I make sense of this coming of the Spirit upon Gentiles? And he says, I remembered. And what is it that Peter remembers? He says, I remembered what the Lord said. You know, brothers and sisters, we need to remember when things are not going necessarily the way we expect. We need to remember the promises God has made to us and see these things happening as a fulfillment of those promises. Peter says, I remembered what the Lord had said. And it says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a fulfillment that Jesus had passed on to the church. Jesus had told the disciples, this is what John had said. Here it's being 
fulfilled among them. And in order to make sense of the present, Peter remembers a promise of the past. You know, we need to be those who remember the promises of Scripture. That in the last days, my, the mountain of the Lord will be raised up above all of them, and the, the nations will stream to it. That is a promise of God. And when we look at the promises of God, they are not like the promises of politicians. Exactly. How can you be in a situation where you've upset all of the population because you remainers aren't happy leavers aren't happy and those of us who are stuck in the middle aren't happy How it, it's an incredible feat but what we see is promise after promise after promise is being broken God is always faithful to his promises so when Peter is looking at it, I remembered what the Lord has said. He's looking beyond just a few words of John. He's looking to the promises of the Father to the people and God will fulfill those promises. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a past promise of God. So when Pauline is sharing her testimony... We need to view that through the lens of God fulfilling his promises. It's not just that Pauline had a nice experience. It's that it's a fulfillment of the promise made through John the Baptist by the Father that I'm going to baptize you with the Spirit. And Pauline, as she experienced that, that is a fulfillment of the promise John proclaimed that had been revealed to him. That is incredible. So when we are praying for people to receive the gifts of the Spirit, when we are praying for people to be filled with the Spirit, we need to remember this is a promise made by the Father through John, confirmed and affirmed by Jesus, and being fulfilled and worked out among us by the power of the Holy Spirit today. That's why we celebrate with Pauline. That's why we celebrate with any who come into that experience, because it's a fulfillment of the promise of the Father. This is, this, is, this is fantastic for us because it puts everything, I think, into a different context. Now, something else that is interesting, when we look at the evidence for the falling and the coming of the Spirit among this, upon this group of Gentiles, I've had a number of people down through the years who say, well, Pentecost, that was it. That was a one-off. Never happened again. Actually, when you read the Bible, it does. But the interesting thing is, the evidence that Peter sees and hears is not the tongues of fire. It's not the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's speaking in tongues and praising God. He didn't have a problem with another Pentecost with fire and wind being absent. Chapter... I think there we are I knew it was there somewhere chapter 10 verse 46 
said so at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came and all heard the message. Uh, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. That is, the Jewish believers were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out even on Gentiles, the evidence for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There's no wind. There's no tongues of fire that are recorded. But Peter takes this as being as valid an experience as what he experienced in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Oh, this is fantastic. Because what it means is Pauline has entered into that experience of that early church. And now if you were to talk to Pauline about the gift of tongues and praying, you'll find that her answers now are very different to what they would have been on the 1st of March. Did you say it was the 2nd of March? Her answers now are different because she's looking at this whole story and the whole truth of Scripture from the inside out. She's entering into this. Pauline, what you experienced there at home is what these early believers experienced. It says, the Spirit fell for the evidence. They were speaking in tongues and praising God. Simple. Simple. And Peter receives that as a sign that the Spirit has been given to the Gentiles and has never stopped being given. The heart of God is to bring every one of his children into that experience, that deeper experience with him. And he'll do it in a way that is right for you. He doesn't force himself. And in fact, very often, we will pray with people here on a Sunday morning, but then it's when they go home and they just relax and God just comes and does something. All sorts of incredible stories. And God will do it. Another thing that we, we find here is that they had to be baptized. It says, so they're filled with the Spirit, then they are baptized in water. Sometimes they're baptized in water first in the New Testament, sometimes afterwards. I'm sure this is God just said, I'm not bothered about your method. I'm bothered about the reality of you walking with me. I'd like the musicians, if they would come back, please. I want the ministry team. I'm going to give people an opportunity for prayer. Now, one of the things that Pauline said is that she'd been prayed for for many times. God does not mind how many times you are prayed for. The important thing is you press in to the more and more that God has got for you. And I'm going to ask if Pauline will come out and go over where John is. Because what we want to pray is that God just confirms that work within her. Let's stand together. Can you just go over there, Pauline? Because we want to just pray that confirmation.
in. We don't want anybody or anything to rob you. But let's stand. And would you just close your eyes because we right now just want to do business with God. And it may be that you have struggled and not come into that freedom of being able to speak in tongues. And God wants you to be able to exercise that gift because it's about freedom on the inside. He wants you to be able to express yourself in that prayer language to God in a way that you've never, ever done before. And you know, people say, well, the problem with speaking in tongues is I don't understand it. Well, that is the whole point. Because it means we do not have to formulate thoughts. We do not have to formulate and put the words into order. It's our heart expressing our real heart to God. And that freezes up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to keep this particular prayer time very specific. Because it's, it is such a temptation, isn't it, to, to broaden these things out. To Anyone who wants to go on with God, no, that's not what I'm after this morning. I'm taking that for granted. The fact that you're still here. But if you need to see that breakthrough in speaking in tongues, come out for prayer as we sing this final song. And if there's no one comes out, Fine. That's not my issue. The issue is, we want to give you an opportunity to be prayed for, for that breakthrough. Let's worship.